All right, we are back, and my next guest is standing by. It's Tara Cousineau, and she's here to talk about the kindness cure. Good morning, Tara. Yes, good morning. Hi. Hi. I really enjoyed reviewing your book. I was actually on a plane this past weekend, and I was reading this book. Uh, Tell me, what inspired you to write this? Um, Well, I think it was a confluence of events. Um, One was a personal situation where my older daughter was assaulted by another girl the evening before senior year of high school started. But that was amidst a climate um, a couple of years ago. It's still going on of just a lot of... um, uh, negative discourse, bullying, it's cool to be cruel. And I just stood back as a mom and, I, and a psychologist, and I said, what is going on in our culture? Because it just felt really icky, I guess is the best right. way to state it. Yeah. And I just put my research cap on, and I said, you know, what do we know about the science of kindness? Is there one in the first place, and who's studying it, and what can we learn from it? And so then I, I sort of backed that into the book, The Kindness Cure. I feel like um, it's very important to be role models for our kids, obviously. And, you know, I even when I'm in public, if I see somebody in distress, it was always, you know, part of my being to just go help. Yeah. You know? I, yeah. People I think don't it's do that. It's a natural impulse for, for many of us. But there's this funny thing where people are just bystanders and they don't want to get involved. Well, that's another funny instinct about human beings when fear takes hold, right, is we hesitate, we stop, we, um, we worry about our own safety, and that's very real and very relevant, actually. Um, so part of it is kind of <laughs> learning how to step back, take a pause, get a larger perspective. Mm-hmm. I like how you talk about the section on uh, empathy and empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about how stress erodes kindness? Yeah, I think that that was really where I sort of netted out in the end is that most people think that they're kind. Most people value kindness in their parenting, their workplaces, um, in their friendships, in their romantic partners, for instance. It's all on the top of the list. We all want it. We all desire it. We all crave it. Um, On the other hand, things do get in the way. And so one of the ways I started out was I just started asking friends and families and colleagues, you know, What's kindness mean to you? Do you think you're a kind person? And it was such a funny, polarized response. I'd either get, oh, yeah, I'm a kind person. You know, I'll buy, you know, a toll, you know, fee or a cup of coffee for the next person. Or it was like, oh, no, I am not a kind person. (laughs) Like, (laughs) one or the other. Like, life has really just not made me a kind person. And I was really, you know, I wanted to bring an inquiry to that. Um, So what... I came to the conclusion is really that stress is one of the biggest factors that gets in the way of us calling on our kinder instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, we really get into sort of an emotional hijacked state of mind where we're either overwhelmed, too busy, too distracted with negativity, um, that we forget to actually pay attention to the good in the world, to the good that's in our own hearts. Yeah. You know, I feel like I'm smiling because I'm thinking, how do people react when the telemarketers call at the end of the day? Are they polite or are they rude or, you know, because I, I feel bad for these people. <laughs> it's, a, it's a job for them, you know, right. so why be obnoxious? Yeah, right. No, it's true. And actually, that's, that's kind of putting yourself in a, two, in a new framework, right? I mean, I actually feel bad for the, for the telemarketers, too, you know, but I'm, yeah. I tend to go on the over-empathy side of things. But I will say, you know, I know this is your job. I'm really not interested. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope that you have a good day. Um, take care. Goodbye. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah. you try to be kind while rejecting them at the same time. Yeah. But I think in general, we have a, we have a 
harder time because, you know, our culture is so much about success and achievement and happiness and achieving it and sort of through shortcuts (laughs) in a lot of ways, um, as opposed to the time it takes to kind of be present and aware and connected to people. Yes. Um, The other thing I want to bring up is when uh, a stranger comes to the door and out of fear, you don't really want to sometimes open the door. Maybe they look kind of scraggly. But I feel like, you know, open the door, be polite. You know, it's your house. And you're, you're also, again, you're a role model for your kids. Well, yeah, I think it's hard. I think, um, and this thing, you know, I can't remember the last time anyone even actually knocked on my door. Really? Other than maybe, you know, vo- voting, for voting. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> I, I think that we even have less connection in a lot of our, in our, a lot of our neighborhoods. I think the places where we can really mo- role model for each other, our kids, our families, is in the day-to-day activities that we do. Yeah. When we're going to the supermarket, when we're driving the car, when we're in the carpool lane, how we talk to colleagues on the phone. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's in the day-to-day interactions that kids really watch what you do more than listen to what you say. Right, right. Or would you help an el- elderly person on the plane or in a grocery store or anywhere? Yeah, those small moments really matter. I mean, we've had all of these conversations about kindness, or you know, recently since the book came out, and um, so many people come up now and say, you know, just I just decided that I was going to open the door for everyone that I came across to today, mm-hmm. and that simple act changed how I felt. Like even if <laughs> even if someone just ignored it or just kind of walked through and brushed them aside, the intent about kindness is really that you're doing it from a place of personal integrity that's important to you and how you want to orient yourself to the world. It's not necessarily about getting the reaction you want all the time. Yes. I see you're um, from Somerville, right, Massachusetts? Oh, well, the Center for Mindfulness and Compassion um, with Cambridge Health Alliance is in Somerville, but I am in the greater Boston area. Okay. I lived in Brookline for, uh, you know, like 15 years. I went to BU. Um, Massachusetts drivers don't always have the best reputation. (laughs) (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) And neither do the pedestrians, by the way. No. No, there's a name for them. I won't get into it. But um, so... How do you teach people kindness? I mean, what are some key things? Well, some key things are really, um, again, I keep going back to um, ourselves and our bodies and really learning how to calm ourselves down. We are really adapted and habituated to high levels of stress. We're addicted to busyness. We don't sort of slow down to pay a lot of attention. And so one of the things that, you know, as, in my work as a clinical psychologist is, you know, helping people to wake up every day with an orientation towards kindness. And that could actually be to yourself. And we have this tendency to kind of wake up, look in the mirror, and start complaining right away, right? We're mm-hmm. not really good friends to ourselves either. No. So part of the practice is, well, how can we be kinder to ourselves on a day-to-day basis? And then when we get into those stressful situations, whether it's a telemarketer or somebody slamming a door in our face or the person who cut you off in traffic, is like, okay, that's their stuff not mine. Like right. We take things way too personally. And so a lot of the training is not to take other people's stress or distress personally. Right. Um, and to see that that's their stuff. But the way that you can go through the world is the person that's kind, generous, says thank you, says I'm sorry, takes accountability, sets good boundaries. Right. <laughs> you know? I agree. I was actually at a weird thing happen a couple weeks ago. I was in a Trader Joe's parking lot. And it was a fight between a, a son and a mom. 
And I asked the son, because it was, the glass went flying. and it, I mean, major, major argument. I said to the son as he walked towards me, are you okay? And then I, the mom got out of her car, um, and she was looking at her car. I said, are you okay? And then all of a sudden, she was verbally attacking me. And I thought, wow, there's somebody with a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. You know, I felt so bad. And there's two sides to the story. But my point is, like, I'm, I still came to this situation from, are you okay? Right. And I think that that is a natural impulse that you have and a lot of other people have. But we do also have to be mindful of our context. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if that mom, you know, just yells back at you, in your heart, you know that you did the right thing, right? Yeah. Because it could have been another mother-son pair on another day, and that person would say, oh, my God, could you call 911 for me? Or, oh, right. my gosh, you know, like right. you just don't know until, you know, ask. And so part of kindness is that we, it's, it's relational, and it requires us to be connected. And so we have to sometimes take risks. Yes. Oh, I definitely put myself at risk um, because she was attacking me verbally. But I, I felt like... You know what? I wanted to ask, are you guys okay? And, it, you, you know, you, you just, I don't know. I'm not a bystander. I, I just, yeah. I'm just not. So um, so what are some other things you would like the readers to take away from this book? Um, well, one is that we can actually grow kindness, that we can grow our empathy and compassion networks, and we can do so by daily practices. One of the things that I think I learned in my research is, you know, part of the power of, of neuroplasticity, that's the, that's the ability of your brain to change based on experience, mm-hmm. what we expose ourselves to matters. So if we want to have uh, kinder, joyful, you know, more generous kinds of lives, we actually need to practice that every single day. And that helps us offset things like our stress response or this sort of, um, you know, quirky bit about our brain is that we have this sort of unconscious scanning to look for danger and harm, right? I mean, that's yes. called our negativity bias. We all have it. We all need it. <laughs> for some people, it's stronger than others. But sometimes it's just being aware of, oh, I'm not a victim in this world. It's not all a bad place. I can actually have the power to change it. So yes. how can I do that? I can wake up every day and say, how, how can I be kind today? Um, how can yeah. I be a friend to myself today? What do I need to do to kind of lower my stress levels? Because you know what? I really am stressed out. Yeah. Um, there are things that we can do about it. So, And the biggest thing, I think, in this day and age, and it's really, I think, one of the impetuses for my book is we have to pay attention to more of the good in the world. We can't let our brains get hijacked by all the negativity oh, in the news no. and in the media. Oh, I... You know what? I'm, I've been talking to my teenage girls about this because in the palm of their hands are their phones with the mm. world, and it's so scary. Yeah, I have two teenage girls, too, and, you know, it's most of our conflicts are around how much they use their phones. I mean, it's a right. real struggle. Um, but part of it is, like, how are they using it? Are they using it mindfully? Yeah. You know, because there's wonderful ways to use technology. Technology in and of itself is not bad. It's actually neutral, but it's how we use it, right? Yes. <laughs> that matters and what we decide to pay attention to, and it always is a choice. So I think part of, the, part of it's like you have a choice about how you use it, and use it in a way that's going to um, lift up your life, not bring it down. For right. a lot of teenagers, being on social media is actually a real downer, and it's not helpful. That's right. That's right. Um, and I think you need to, as you said, you know, basically, you know, care for yourself and practice self-kindness um, because that will go out in the world, how you treat other people. It absolutely will. You know, my book has a lot of stories. It's not all actually about science. In fact, science is less 
of what the book is about, but I wanted to support the story. So the stories in the book go from six-year-old kids to, you know, the elderly, to people who've been refugees or in recovery, um, war veterans, who all had something change in their life, and that was either by the kindness of somebody else, by their own inspiration, or by some very, very hard, difficult self-care, asking for help, mm-hmm. you know, forgiving, learning how to say I'm sorry, an apology, like all of these things actually um, are really important skills, but no one's out there teaching us that, really. Right, <laughs> right? right, yes. So... We have to learn how to do it and practice it with people, you know, that deserve to, um, you know, that we think deserve to hear our story, I suppose, is one way to say it. Yes. I like the chapter, Forgiveness is a Gift to Yourself. Yes. That's a good one. Do you want to just talk about that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, um, we all have had made mistakes. We've all had bad things happen to us. And... You know, forgiving is not easy, especially with some very, very grave things that can happen in the world. But learning how to figure of ourselves is really about releasing our emotional attachment to fantasies of revenge, right, or mm-hmm. regret. That Those are unhelpful emotional states. They're normal in a lot of ways, but when we get overly attached to them, we're really doing ourselves a disservice. So forgiving is actually really not for the other person. It's actually for yourself. And when you can release yourself from the negative uh, emotional attachment, you are then free. You free up all of this emotional space and this ability to create new things in your life. Right. So where can people find out more about you, Tara? Um, Well, people can um, search for my book online at any of the online bookstores, The Kindness Cure by Tara Kuzno. You can go to my website. I have a fun kindness quotient quiz, your your KQ. You can go check it out. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. not very scientific, but it is one to kind of prompt your reflection and thinking. So The Kindness Quotient at um, tarakuzno.com. And I really enjoyed your kindness manifesto at the back. Oh, great. Good. It's also on the website. (laughs) Uh, Let me just read a couple. Uh, You are wired to care. We can grow kind minds. Don't let kindness become a dwindling inner resource. Together we can grow kindness. Be kind to yourself. Hmm. Fantastic. And there's lots more in here. So, Tara, thank you so much for calling into the show. This has been wonderful. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Tara Cousineau, and she was calling in from Massachusetts. And she was here to talk about her book, The Kindness Cure, How the Science of Compassion Can Heal Your Heart and Your World. If you missed any part of this or any of my other guests, everything is up on my show blog, and I'll have all of our conversations up there within an hour or so. Up next, Sheldon Abbott is standing by with Cure for the Blues. This is an amazing show he puts on every week from 10 to 12. I'm Janine. If you'd like to find out about being a guest, just send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at KUCI.org. And you can follow me on Twitter at moms underscore rock. And KUCI is on Twitter at KUCI-FM. Have a great Monday, everyone. I'll be back next week.